0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Oh, you guys are in for a good one. You know, they say people are just as much a product of genetics as they are their surroundings. So how's this for surroundings? I don't know, I'm going to describe this to you. It's, say, 9 o'clock at night, the roads of New York City's notorious Bronx in the 1950s are quiet. Of the streetlights that are working, many simply flicker. I mean, you'd flinch at the sound of a garbage can top hitting the pavement because knowing this neighborhood, it could just as well be gunfire. And if you're standing on the street, you know you could be yet another mention in the newspaper and not even on the front page because murders are pretty much commonplace. My guest today not only lived in that, he drew upon it to become a playwright, a screenwriter, and an Oscar-nominated actor. Bronx-born Chaz Palmentieri wrote and starred in a Bronx tale about life in New York City's borough, known as much for its deadly violence as it was its colorful neighborhoods, each with a distinct ethnicity. In truth, the Bronx neighborhood of Belmont back then was very rough and filled with hustlers and characters and vicious criminals. In fact, at age nine, Chaz witnessed a murder. So how does a child overcome such a horrifying experience that's imprinted in his cortex to soar to the very top of both Broadway and Hollywood? Oh, yeah. And today he also calls himself a New York restaurateur. I am so thrilled to get the story from Chaz Palminteri himself. Welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. Well,
1: thanks very much, Liz. It's nice to be here. Oh, I'm,
0: I'm thrilled. I'm I'm floating. I'm levitating. Yeah. But when I was really digging into your story, right. I, I could not believe that at age nine you witnessed a murder.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know what's funny about that, Liz? People always think it's like this hor- horrific event. And of course, I guess it is. When my son was nine, I I told my wife, I go, you know, I was that age when I saw this thing happen. And I looked at him, and I felt so like, oh, my God. Right. But when it happened with me, I, I thought about it. My father, all I remember is my father dragging me. I saw him kill him right in front of me, literally from me to you. And when he killed him, he, he kind of stared at me, and then he walked away, he walked back into the bar. And I remember looking at the other guy laying on the floor bleeding. And then the next minute I knew him, my father just dragged my, grabbed my arm and dragged me upstairs. It, it, but, it, I, and I didn't, obviously, I didn't rat the guy out when the cops came, but it never really bothered me, but I thought about it all my life. Every once in a while, it would, if I saw two guys fighting over a parking space, it would come in my head. I would say, oh, wow, it would just slip in my head. N- Again, no nightmares, no nothing. And then one day, when I was desperate to what the story was, and I had a write, and I said, well, if they will give me a great part, I'll what could I write about? And I remembered that story. And I wrote, started writing about my relationship with the wise guy and my father and me in the middle. And that's how it all started. And that happened. became a Bronx tale. And that became a Bronx tale, yeah.
0: Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your parents.
1: Well, if you, if you saw the movie, that was my mother and father. My dad was a bus driver with my father, Lorenzo. And he was a very was an honorable stand-up Italian man, Sicilian and very much, he always used to say, you're 100% society, and don't forget that, 100%. When people say that Sicilian, they're usually half. He used to go, but you're 100%. I go, I know, Dad, I know. And 30 <laughs> years working as a bus driver, never late once. Never late once, not once. All, the, all they cared about, my mother and father, was to giving our life a better life. And my dad wrote on a card, he wrote, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And he wrote that, and he put it in my room, and my sister's room, too, um, and my sisters were very successful before me. I was the latest, you know. I didn't hit till I was in my late thirties, and um, and he just said, "Don't you're in this life. Don't waste it. You got dreams. Dreams are for when you're awake, not when you're asleep." You know. I mean, he was my mother too. My mother too. Both of them. You see, my dad played saxophone. He he sang. My mother was an incredible artist, and I think maybe they just. It was different back then. You know, they had to go to work and do things, and they wanted their children to aspire and do great things, and, and they made it happen. You could have just as easily, though, fallen into what you were
0: surrounded by, and you that's know. crime, although obviously your parents would have never allowed no. you. That's what I'm getting a sense yeah. of. But when did you first realize, wait a minute, I have not just an ability, but a desire To perform and to, well, you said writing came after you couldn't get an acting job.
1: But I did write when I was in my early teens. So, but I always wanted to be an actor when I was about 10. My mother would take me to the movies and I would see, I remember the colors of the cinema and I was just so, just watching it. I I, I just said, I could do that. I I, I could do that. You know, and I always wanted to be an actor. and, And then the writing just, I was an artist like, I was this artist trapped in this, neighborhood guy who was who was like a, an artist it was strange you know because i loved art i loved i love writing but then when you're in that neighborhood and don't get me wrong it was a wonderful neighborhood was there bad things that happened there absolutely was there violence there and drugs no question but it was a everybody was italian it was a great neighborhood i loved growing up there i had a wonderful childhood and i always tell people that that was an event that happened to me but you know what? I don't know where I'd be right now if that didn't happen to me.
0: Well, that is what I love to pass on to yeah. our listeners that you know, nothing should ruin you, but it can define a path even right. if at the time it looks very damaging.
1: No no question. No no question. Sometimes getting fired from a job is the best thing that ever happened to you. In fact, I uh, uh, what happened? And I'll, and I'll make the story. Sh- I'll condense it. I was in L.A. I got there and I started having success right away. Got on Hill Street Blues, got on uh, Madlock, got on Dallas. I did the Peter Gunn, and but then all of a sudden I ran out of money like anybody else. So I got a job as a doorman because I used to ba- I used to ba- bounce in New York and I boxed. So I got a job there, and make a long story short, and I know it's too late now, but I am, but I was, <laughs> uh, uh, I was standing by the door once, and this guy was rude to me, and, and I didn't let him in, and, and who was it? It was Swifty Lazar. Oh, and big Lazar, agent. Big agent, the biggest in the world biggest. at the time. And I didn't let him into his own party, because he was rude. <laughs> and so he, so he looked at me and said, you'll be fired in 15 minutes. I said, really, sure. 15 minutes later, the boss asked me to come in the office, and he said, Chaz, you know, that was Swifty Lazor. I said, I don't know who he was. You know, He said, well, I have to let you go. He has too many parties here. I love you, man. You're a great guy, and you." you but I I, I got to let you go. He, he wants you out. I said, he was a, a, a French guy, I <laughs> his name was. And I said, "Ferno, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So uh, I, you've been good to me. So I went home. I sat on the edge of my bed. I said, what am I going to do? I was living in this dump in, uh, in uh, North Hollywood. And I said, well, I looked at the television. I mean, the refrigerator on the car. It was there. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent, because I always carried a card to me from your dad. And I said, if they won't give me a great part, I'll write one myself. What could I write about? I said, I'm going to write about Sonny when I saw that. So I sat there and I wrote it. I performed it for my theater work for my theater, and all of a sudden they just went crazy. And I said, oh wait a minute. So each week I would write and perform it. On a Monday night, write more, perform it, write more, perform it. At the end of almost a year, I had 90 minutes of this one-person show. I said, I'm going to do a movie on stage. And I, and I clapped my hands, and it was like a film cut. It, it's never been done before. never been done since. I, I borrowed money off a friend. A very dear friend who lent me money. I put the show up, produced it myself. And Liz, it was like a rocket ship. A week after I did the show, the reviews came out and the times and the... It was like insane. Everybody wanted it to do it. Every, every actor wanted to play Sonny. Every star, every writer wanted to write the screenplay. Every director <laughs> wanted to do it. Every studio head. I got offered $250,000 days after the reviews. And I said, oh my God, I had $200 in the bank. And I said, but I want to play Sonny and I want to write the screenplay. They said, no, we can't do that. I said, but I... Wait a minute, it's my story, it's my life. They said, we just, we'll just give you $250,000, kid. It's 35 years ago. And I said, no. I play Sonny, I write the screenplay. They said, forget it. So people say, are you crazy? Yeah, no money, turn I said, I don't care. Three weeks later, another studio calls 500000 My hand to God, if I'm lying. Okay, again, I say no, because they won't let me do it. A month later, crowds are getting bigger, lines around the corner, million to walk away. I said... Are you kidding? You walked away. I walked away. My hand to God if I'm lying to you. Okay? And he said... And they said to me... I'll never forget the guy. He goes, Chaz, you realize you're blowing this thing. We're offering you a $1 million. I said, I play Sonny. I write the screenplay. He goes, you know this movie will never get made. I said, you're right. With you. And he said, why is that? I go, because it's too good. (laughs) And a week later... I did the show, and I got off stage. The stage manager runs over to me and says, hey, you better get down to your dressing room. Robert De Niro just came in there. He wants to talk to you. I said, Robert De Niro? He was yeah. I walk in the dressing room. Bob was sitting there. He goes, hi, how you doing? I said, hi. And I, I, you know, this is like one of my idols, you know. And he said, what a great show. And he just raved about it. And, and he said, I know they wanted to buy it off you. He goes, well, if you sell it, they're going to come to me anyway, he said to me. (laughs) He goes, but I tell you what, I said, look, Bob, I'm not going to sell it. I want to play Sonny. I want to write the screenplay. He said, I'll tell you what, you play Sonny. You'll be great. You write the screenplay because it's your life. It'll be honest. I'll play your father. I'll direct it. And he goes, and if you make it with me, we'll make it right. I shook his hand and that's how it happened.
0: Oh, my
1: God. Yeah, that's how it happened.
0: Was your dad alive to see that?
1: Well, oh, my dad saw all my success. All of it. All of it. My mother saw all my. Step. My f- mother died at ninety-seven. My father died at ninety. Oh, so wonderful. my father, De Niro says, "Can I call your father? I want to. I want to talk with him." I'm like, "You want to speak to my father?" That's so he goes, nice. Yeah. He called my father. He says, "When I come up there, I want to hang out with you for a month." <laughs> now you got to picture <laughs> this now. My Italian father, who loved Robert De Niro, of course, was a god. He said. Robert De Niro, Mr. De Niro, you know, Mr. De Niro called me. He wants me to, I go, Dad, he wants to get to know you and, you know, see how you are. And my my father, my father taught him how to drive the bus. You're kidding. No. Bob wanted my father to teach him how to drive the bus because he wanted to see how he moved his hands and how he did the change. And I, I said to Bob, I said, Bob, nobody knows my father. You don't have to repeat what he did. You know, he goes, no, 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 no. That's how exact this guy is. So you see him like hitting the chains like my father, doing everything like my father did, carrying the the pillow underneath his arm as he walked home from work. Pretty amazing, man. Pretty amazing.
0: Also amazing is that it didn't stop at Hollywood. It came to Broadway with bullets over Broadway. Yeah. Talk about the genesis of that.
1: Well— uh, the play, Bullets Over Broadway? Correct, yeah. Well, that was the, I got seen, before Bronx Hill came out, Woody Allen wanted to see me because he heard about this kid who did this play and he's going to be with De Niro. And I read for this part with Woody Allen. Right. And I was in, you know, I was really an unknown because Bronx Hill didn't come out yet. And then he, I got the part. And he said, that kid was born to play the part because he wanted a tough guy, a street guy, who was an artist who happened to be this brilliant playwright.
0: I mean, y- you were so good. I
1: mean, I was so right for the oh role. Oh my
0: God, it screamed you. Yeah,
1: and, and Woody always says that, you know, and obviously I got nominated for Academy Award and, and then Bronx Tale came out, Bullets came out and, I was, and I've been riding the rocket ship now for 30-something years. This is Everyone Talks to Liz and we will be right back.
2: Hey folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List
0: Well, let's not leave out my personal favorite, *The Usual Suspects*. *The Usual Suspects*, yeah. I I have to say, yeah. there are movies that come on, you yeah. know, on cable, and you're oh yeah, you flip through them, and. Even if you've seen them many times, there's only a few for me that yeah. I will always stop and watch the whole thing. You have to watch. It, um, yeah. All the President's Men. Yes. About obviously yes. Watergate. I can't stop watching yes. that. I do too. Um, I love Bridesmaids, which is hysterical.
1: Yeah, Braveheart does it for me. The Braveheart. Godfather, I do it. Okay, I have you know to watch what? it.
0: So for me is the
1: usual suspects. Yeah. And
0: I don't know why. I just think that whole cast and you. Yeah,
1: because it's so unusual. It, you don't know what's true, what he's lying. Yes, I mean it won the Academy Award. So let's face it. So uh, it was a great script. Great script. Kaiser so sad. Kaiser so sad.
0: Oh my gosh! Well, when you look back at your career mm. on on stage and on the big screen, mm. how important is the message that you keep trying, no matter oh, what? Oh,
1: that that is my whole life. I always give back. I always. I, um, I, I walk around, I, 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 so I have cars with me sometimes, it's the this thing in life is a waste of talent. When I meet an actor, he'll say, Miss, can I talk to you one second? I say, all right, go ahead, I'm, in the, you know, I'm walking. And he, I go, walk with me, go ahead, come on. And he says, I just, you have any words of encouragement? And I, I say, look, you got to, you know, I said, be good at what you do and be well-liked and you'll be successful. Was, those are the two key things. I said, it'll happen for you, but you got to be really good and you got to be well-liked. And he said, thanks a lot. And I, I reached in my pocket. I take out a card. I said, here. And I signed. I said, remember that. Don't waste your talent. And sometimes, Liz, I'll meet people. Yeah, just I could leave here right now and go outside. And somebody go, hey, Mr. Pompatieri, how you doing? I say, yeah, how are you? And he goes, you remember this? And he shows me the card.
0: Oh.
1: He'll go, yeah, I'm on, a, I'm on a show now. I'm on a soap. And you, five years ago, you gave me this card. I want to say it worked out. I said, oh, that's great.
0: Well, you can't keep a man or a woman down who just won't quit no and you've got to just keep going and what i find interesting is that your path has now led you to becoming a restaurateur you have two restaurants in new york city
1: two great restaurants one on 30 west 46th street uh charles palmitari's and one in white plains new york 264 main street really great italian restaurants you know people always go you know i got the best italian restaurant in the city You know what? There's a lot of great Italian restaurants in the city. Do I have one of the best? Yes. No question. Is it always fresh? Always right? And I say, you know why? Because my name's on it. And you know my Italian friends, I don't want to hear them when they come to my restaurant because they'll let me have it if nothing is great. It's always fresh. It's always great. And that's important to me.
0: What have you learned running restaurants that you didn't know being
1: an actor? What I learned about restaurants is there's always a fire. (laughs) <laughs> you, spend, you spend your whole day... Well, I don't. I shouldn't say that. Right, Jack right. and Jeff Sinaj, the Sinanage brothers. They, they have uh, the umpire, a steakhouse. That's why I want partners with. You have to go with people who know, who's, who've been there before, mm-hmm. who has successful restaurants. Nobody, People who just jump in the restaurant business are never successful. It's impossible. It's impossible. But I, I'm I partners with these guys. Every time when I go there, it's like, well, this guy didn't show up. The cook wants this. It's always putting out a fire every day. And I go, my God, that's a tough, tough business. You yeah. think acting stuff the show business is tough? That's a tough business. Well,
0: more restaurants have gone under than have succeeded Especially in Especially since
1: world. COVID. COVID, I think a third of the restaurants went over. Yeah. And I don't think a bunch, I think a lot of them never came back.
0: Yeah, it was it was absolutely horrifying yeah. for so many people who were good business people good who business poured people. their entire life right. and savings into these restaurants. Yeah,
1: COVID hurt a lot of people. Chaz,
0: you know, you're such an interesting person because of your mosaic of experiences. When you think about struggle and you go back to that time you were living in what you described as the dump in North Hollywood, mm. how do you hold on and not give up when you get so many no's?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, I, and I try to—what I do is what I tell—sometimes I, I'll go to colleges and I'll do a master class to the actors or the writers, and when I say to them, I go, every time you go in, it's mostly no. So you got to understand that. Be prepared for the word— Right off the bat. No. Uh, and, and, and Al Pacino used to say a funny thing to me. We used to talk, and he said, I don't know why these young actors— get so upset when they don't get the party. He goes, you're probably not going to get it anyway. Just go in there and give a great audition. Just, it's the real key, Liz, to being successful. Of course, being good at what you do, being well-liked. But I love to read these books about people's success. And I read this book about CEOs, who, what made them so successful? And you would think it would be, you know, determination, perseverance, yeah. grit, grind yes they had all those things but they all agreed that the number one reason the number one thing that makes you successful adaptability how you adapt to everything pivot how you could pivot mm-hmm. emotional intelligence is more important than iq I don't care what anybody says.
0: Warren Buffett says the exact same thing. He yeah. says that some of the guys who triggered the worst sell-offs in Wall Street history had really high IQs,
1: but yeah. they were complete imbeciles. Imbeciles, emotionally. Yeah. When I got into the actor's studio, I studied with Lee Strasberg himself, wow. and I studied with Lee, and I was in the actor's studio. And when I was this young actor and went in there and I saw these actors, I was like, oh, my God, how great are these guys? I was like, holy smokes. I mean, actors like you wouldn't believe. And I used to say, I I, I don't understand it. How could this guy not make it? And then going to the studio a lot, I got to know these guys. And I could see, you know, one was an alcoholic, one with drugs, one didn't show up. One was so bitter that he hasn't made it. He was angry all the time. And I went, oh, okay, I see. As I got older, I saw that People just said, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm not going to deal with this. You know, even in your line of work, you can be brilliant at what you do, but if nobody wants to work with you, that's it. That's it. Well, you can get somebody who's not as brilliant as that guy, but good, but good, and everybody wants to work with him. And a
0: delight. And a delight. Or from whom people can learn. Yes. I always try. And be a teacher. That's how my dad was. He always wanted to teach. He yes. was a surgeon. But he said in, in the world of life, by pulling somebody aside and saying, you know, you oughta, to or, or inspiring them. Inspiring He people. said, you could change the course of that person's life. Yes. Which you have with your
1: cards when people approach you, it feels yes. like. Yes, and which I I had with my movie. And now with my podcast. I have my own very successful podcast, Chaz Parmenteri Show. And I also do another podcast with Michael Francis, The Wise and the Wise Guy. And in those two shows, all we do is give back. We talk about great books. We talk about Michael. uh, Michael changed his life around. Obviously, I changed my life around. And we just talk about... It's always your next decision, Liz. It's that close. And the way I tell people to handle no's, how I tell them this, I said, I'll tell you what, I tell these actors, I go, if I told you that you're going to get 50 more no's and the 51st no, that's when it's going to be yes. How would you feel? Well, I I said, how would you feel if I sent you on 10 auditions and you didn't get any of them? How would you feel? He he said, well, I would feel great because I'm 40 now. I'm closer. I go, that's the way you got to feel. Right.
0: You're never knowing. You're never going to know. know. you got to get out
1: there. And Woody Allen told me this the most important thing in life, show up. If you don't show up, nothing could happen. And nothing.
0: do the best you can, even when you don't feel like it.
1: Oh, that's.
0: You know who said that? Shari Lewis, the puppeteer, yes. the ventriloquist. For the best
1: you can, even when you, even because when sometimes don't feel the like people it. who don't feel like it, you can sense that. Yeah, I'm a director. When I'm the one directing a movie, and I used to say, "I'll give you three, you know, three puffs. Twice you could do it to me, but that's it. In other words, I'll ask a yeah. question. They'll go, <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, I'll let one get away. I'll even let maybe two get away. Well, I'll say, Listen, could you go down and pick? <sighs> that's it. <laughs> One more, and you're you're gone.
0: Chaz. as we finish up, how grateful are you today to Swifty Lazar for having you fired you know as a security people, guard? That's
1: such a uh, <laughs> People have said that to me, Liz, and I said, I, would, I never got a chance to thank him. He died right after <laughs> right, that. Right. But I never got a chance to thank him about that. But it goes to show you, I got fired from a job. I had no money in the bank. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And that was the impetus to make me right. And I tell people if they want to come and see the one-man show, all they have to do is go to chazpalmitary.net. And my whole schedule for the whole national tour is there. Or go to my Instagram, chazpalmitary, and they can know everything about me.
0: And there is so much to know, but so much to use as fuel to reach you guys for your own goals. I pray that you listen to this over and over again. Spread it to everybody you know, because it is like gold, more valuable and a troy ounce of gold. Chaz, thank you
1: so much. God bless. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, I'm honored to have you. And you guys, as always, I am so honored that you give me your precious time every single week to listen to Everyone Talks to Liz. I will hear you and see you next time. I got to go do my show 3 p.m. Eastern on the Fox Business Network. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.